This is The Journeys Podcast, and I'm your host, Mark Stolo. Today I'm talking with Robert Pardy. Robert radically transformed his life after losing his wife to breast cancer by pursuing his dream to become a certified life coach. He works with people coping with dramatic events or desiring tectonic shifts in their life. Robert believes in living as possibility and action, which includes learning how to live forward after experiencing small or big losses. I'm going to invite you to go back into a moment that I imagine was probably one of the most difficult moments in your life. And you talk very openly and candidly about it. The moment where you lost your wife after many, many years of caring for her, 11 years, in fact, of caring for her. And I imagine it's difficult for you to reincarnate that moment. But I think for the sake of us having a conversation about loss, it's an important starting point because it was also an end point and a beginning point for you into something new. Take us back to that moment and share with us a little bit about what you were feeling in that moment of, of loss. Sure. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I reflect on it a lot. Um, so it's pretty easy to put myself back into, into that position. And what you can imagine is, um, I'm laying in the bed with my wife, so I want to go back a little bit right before she passes away. She had requested to go to a different hospital because she wanted to protect her dignity because what she was grappling with um, was sort of a difficult ending. Um, and while we didn't use the word death, we both knew she was dying. Um, we approached the disease in a very specific way per her request. So we were in a different hospital and uh, I was laying in the bed with her and she was on my side and she was in and out of sleep. She then sort of woke up and she, she grabbed my hand and she said, um, and I do get emotional every time I say this, um, she said, Robert, I'm tired. And I said, okay, baby, rest. And I knew that was her signal. She was a palliative care doctor. Um, and I knew that was her signal for me to remove life sustaining care um, and transition to comfort care. I left the room. I told the doctors what needed to be done. I came back. She was sleeping within 12 hours. She was in a coma, partly because of the disease, partly because of the medication. And so those were the last words we actually had said to each other. Over the next few days, I was just with her and I honestly wonder what was going through my mind because I knew it was impossible for her to rally, but she had been hospitalized a few times throughout the 11 years where people would say, this is it. Um, and somehow she rallied. But I think because it was her decision this time when she told me rest and then just one night I was with a friend of hers in the hospital and we were just talking. I don't know what we said to each other, but we both laughed and I swear my wife was probably waiting for that because she gave a big, that death rattle breath and she passed. Um, I, at that moment, have to say, 
that I felt a relief for her suffering and I wasn't really aware what I was feeling. I called my friends um, that lived close by, told them what happened. It was one o'clock in the morning. They came, a great friend of mine, David, he supported me the whole way, never saw him once falter. When they put her body in the bag to take it out of the room, he lost it. And I was able to comfort him because somehow I knew it was the right moment, maybe because she said it to me, um, maybe because I was the one that was the keeper of the information, let's say, because my wife really didn't want to know. And she had thought, though I'm, no, I'm sure she knew more than, than she let on, but she had thought that the cancer had always metastasized to her liver, it was breast cancer, and remained in her liver, and we were constantly batter, battling the liver. But I knew she had it in her bones, her lungs, the lining of her small intestines, her peritoneum. So I also knew she couldn't, it just would have been impossible. But it's funny because no matter if you are expecting it or not, the moment I was able to assess loss, I felt lost. I felt empty. I felt disconnected to everything. Um, nothing had, I was going through the motions, planning the funeral and even afterwards, but I felt like I was in someone else's life. My father said something similar when he was at the end of life. He looked at us, my, myself and my two brothers, and he said, I'm tired. And I think it's an interesting feeling or a sentiment that is shared between the t two people in our lives that we cared about and, and an interesting metaphor for how deeply exhausting it can be to feel like we're holding on to things in our life that are slipping away. Death obviously being the most intense of those letting go experiences, but we experience this, these mini losses, these mini deaths throughout our day throughout our lives, throughout our years. And every breath you take, there is a mini death. Um, and, and every change in an experience in your life, new job, new home, new partner, um, new beginnings, there is both a birthing and a dying. Yes. And people get tired, both physically, mentally, spiritually, existentially, dealing with these losses recurrently in their lives. And a lot of that fatigue grows out of that holding on almost the, the kind of refusal the the um, the resistance to the experience of things coming and going out of being and it's a big it's a hallmark of the journey that you're taking people on in this in this living life forward journey and dealing with loss is that what is truly most exhausting about living life with the constant feeling of this thing I have to hold on to constantly, and I sometimes describe it as squeezing the life out of it, in a way. I, I agree 100%. Um, one, one of the days in the journey is a lesson on impermanence. And I realized when I truly learned impermanence, when I also truly learned the, the concept of surrender, um, it it's empowering because exactly what you're saying, holding on to something 
regardless, of course, you know, loss to all of us, the biggest loss is death. And it's the one that nobody really wants to talk about. If you think about, you know, 100 years ago, people wore a black band on their arm. So you could interact with them during their loss. And now it's sort of hidden, we just hold it inside, right? When it comes to death. But exactly what you're saying, it's that holding on of something that can never truly be ours forever. Um, and I talk in the journey a lot about, for me, what I realized is it wasn't just Desiree. Um, it was holding on to an identity of myself that, that changes. Um, and when, when she, when she passed, my identity passed, my identity of the husband, the caregiver, the friend, the lover, everything you want to, you know, put in that. And it wasn't until I realized that we have to understand whatever we're holding on to, are we holding on to that because of it, it defines who we are and it doesn't then allow us to be open to grow or to transform. Um, there was a great quote. I don't know who I, I, I use it in the journey in a different way. Um, so they're not exactly my words, but I don't know who said it, but there's a, an idea of holding on to light life tightly or lightly. Hmm. And when you hold on to life lightly, you're able to embrace change the way it's meant to be, which is just a natural progression. Um, and that's very hard for someone to hear if the change is the death of a loved one. For, for sure. Um, and I walk, I walk through why that is, but I agree with you 100% that it's the holding on. It's, it's, it's the holding on, which makes everything so heavy or makes change such a, you know, punch in the gut. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's, um, deep wisdom in the idea that the things that we hold on to the things that we cling to also cling to us. You know, they almost become like barnacles of our lives. And those barnacles can actually create almost kind of a thick exterior. What we feel like is protecting us is also shielding us, keeping us out of touch with what is real and what is going on before us, which is this endless experience of change. Now, I think the temptation would be to think, well, that sounds like a callous way to live. Are you, you know, when you say hold hold on to things lightly, does that mean you shouldn't care? Does that mean you should be apathetic? Does that mean that you should be indifferent towards things? And I don't think that's at all what you're advocating for or people who talk about living through an experience of letting go are advocating for. When we talk about holding to life lightly, we're talking about being open to experiencing things as they are. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Versus how we want them to be or how we expect them to be or how they should be, which inevitably is where most of your suffering will grow from. The constant expectation that I will impose my will on the nature of the universe that is constantly moving. My identity has to be fixed in time.
I am what I am, and don't take away from me what I am. Talk about the, that subtle difference of being in the world in a way with things as they are, and why that is so liberating. Where, where well, is the true freedom born in that experience? Well, just you, using that tightly and lightly again, if, if you think about holding on to things tightly, it's not that you get to enjoy them at all. You are doing everything you can to keep something and not understand the overall beauty. Something always comes to my mind is that if you had a, let's say a beautiful bird and you held it in your hand like this, you would never see its wings. You would never see the glory that it has by letting it, it fly. And that to me is that subtle difference because the more we try to control the uncontrollable, which is, is life, the more we are trying to force it into what we expect it to be, or it should be, or it must be, the less we're understanding the complex beauty of what it is, because, and it sounds, it, it does sound very morbid, but life only does have one direction. And the moment we embrace that life includes losses, we're free to not try to avoid them, but to enjoy the moments we have. Because any great philosopher has ever said, you know, life is lived in the ordinary moments. Life is lived here in the moment when we are in the expectation or the must or the should we're not here we're in what should happen further down the road mm -hmm. yeah you think about people who mourn the passing of someone and to your earlier point a lot of that mourning grows out of the ideas the memories the resonant feelings we have of those people the things that we've lost um, yes. And that's what we're in some many, many ways reconciling. We are reconciling that which came before. The suffering does not exist in the present moment. It exists as an outgrowth of the things that we have filled into a bucket that we are still sitting in and trying to make sense of. You talk in this journey about living life forward, but also coming to terms with loss differently. You know, how we experience loss differently. This idea that there are certainly things that we let go of and there are things that, that, that stay with us. What are those things that stay with us as we move through an experience of loss? What, what I've learned personally, but also working with people and, and the studies that I've done is the magnitude of loss is based on the value we gave what we've lost. And so the more important it was, and this is where I connected to identity, because of course, my God, I, I loved my wife. I miss her every day. I think about her every day. Um, I'm blessed in a way to be doing a job that allows me to talk about what she gave me to help other people. So it's, it's wonderful. But if that, that which what we've lost is, was connected to our identity, 
it's very hard for a lot of people to move forward without accepting the fact that they need to also be reborn for lack of a better word but it it, it really is that nature of, in and of itself because even if you've had a horrible job and you came home every night and you complained about it and and you told your friends how horrible it was and then you're fired well that job gave you a reason to complain to be the person that had to suffer through a horrible job it, it is all connected to an identity right we are writing a story which in reality never really ends because when when we do come to the end of our life the story we left is content for someone else going forward whether it's our children our family our friends and part of i think understanding loss is to understand that it is woven within you it becomes part of the next chapter if it was something very big but one doesn't have to just look at it as if this was horrible life did something to me yes we we acknowledge the emotions we acknowledge the loss but we can be constructive in how we move forward. The loss itself is its own both destructive and creative process. There is the experience of letting go of that which was and excavating that. And I'm sure, you know, losing my father, that persisted for a time and it persists differently for some people. And, it, and it's an order of magnitude. You describe almost like an earthquake. Yeah. It's almost like an earthquake, right? It has. Yeah. The, the higher the the earthquake value, the more it it resonates, and For sure. and the more aftershocks there are, depending on how much you valued that thing at the middle of that earthquake. Um, and then there's the creative end of what what comes out of the kind of what grows out of the rubble in a way, and what you're rebuilding with those parts. I think that's how we honor people that we've lost. It's it's how we honor any loss experience in what we rebuild from that loss. Exactly, exactly. What, what activates that rebuilding process? What's, what, what is the um, operating mantra that triggers that rebuilding experience? I believe honestly that it always, everything always comes back to a sense of purpose. And so in whatever loss one suffers, there's something that can be used to whether it's improve ourselves um, whether it is to give something back to somebody but it is this moment of of reflection and if we so a mantra i i think if if i was to say anything about a mantra um i'd go back to I'd go back to the resilience journey, actually, and think that the mantra is what's next, because we're not meant to be stagnant. And I, I've seen a lot of people that are, my, my mother is a perfect example. When my father passed away, she refused to move forward. She now is dating a man which is identical to my father. I mean, she kept her life exactly the way it was. Um, and she condemned me for not grieving the way she grieved. 
which is a, a whole nother issue of boundaries to to recover from loss and i don't re recover is not the right word to rebuild from loss to move forward positively you also do have to create boundaries so you can rebuild and it, part of that is the identity aspect of it as well but the mantra i would say is what's next um, and i would think the tool one of the tools is understanding what purpose you can find in it um, if you've lost a job maybe it's a moment to reflect if that was the right thing if you've lost an investment to reflect on how you were living or what you were doing funny enough i made an investment in a tour company uh, that does tours in rome six months before covid and lost that investment and that was built to actually launch certain things i wanted to do but i had to sit there and look at it and say okay from this what can i rebuild that may actually even be better what happens when you start to you know become a, a change master because what you're describing as someone who's reconciling losses they are becoming quite masterful at the art of change What's the shift? What's the change that happens when you start to become more attuned to the vibration of change in your life and where you're really flowing that tide of change, which is constantly ebbing and flowing? Well, you, you used one of the words is to, to be in flow, to be in a state of flow. When we're not able to master change um we're bounced around when we are we, we we flow like a river so when there is an obstacle we may go under it over it around it but the river continues to flow i say all the time when people say you know oh life is like a river no actually we're like the river uh, more than anything else and when you're a change master uh, what I've noticed personally, but some of the amazing shifts I've seen in people I work with are one, there is a connection to a personal power. And in being in that power itself, where you understand that you're going to flow with life, um, you also become less stressed. But what I mean about less stressed is you're not vibrating at that trying, needing to control everything and living in that expectation. You become more curious and you're, you become more creative because all of a sudden there's a lot more opportunity. Change is not something and loss is not something to avoid. Now, of course, you don't want to go into your company tomorrow and make all kinds of mistakes and say, oh, it doesn't matter, loss doesn't know. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. What I'm, what I'm saying is that you know that loss with it brings also a gain. Again, if someone has lost somebody like I did and I had heard that, that would create a visceral reaction internally because what is the gain? There is when you remove a lot of these, you know, you peel the onion, so to speak. and. I was a person that was blessed 
with an amazing love from my wife. She didn't only suffer 11 years of chemotherapy for herself and her, her patients, but because she wanted to remain with me, that's, that's an amazing gift. And the lessons I learned about myself, about her, about ego, about a million different things, if I really look at it as, instead of putting the negative on the caregiver aspect, all of a sudden I realized that there was a lot of gain. There, there, there was a lot of perspective that has opened a world to me that wasn't open. Keep on exploring. Robert invites you to go on a huddle journey into living life forward after loss.